Hey, Tyler. Hey, Jason. How are you? Jason. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. I've been calling you Jason like the last month and you haven't been noticing that. I I don't pay attention to that name. I just think your middle name is Aeson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've been calling you by your first and middle name. But one. Ooh, listen yeah, wait. to that. Uh, there there wait, were extra laughs in here. hear that wonderful, uh, robust yeah, laugh. Yeah. yeah. It's my best friend in the world, Ralph Lowe. Hi, guys. How are you? So oh. good. <laughs> I could listen to your voice all Thank day you. long. I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Thank you. <laughs> the quiet storm's coming in. All right. <laughs> Uh, so our question for today, because we have really important stuff, is uh, the rapid fire. Jay's just going to go for it. Ralph, do you know your Enneagram number? I do. It's a three. A three. Fascinating, yes. fascinating. What, is that, what does that mean to you? I always like hearing how people explain what that means. That means that, uh, you know, and I uh, have a wing of two. So for me, it just means that um, <laughs> equally as, as I... In a lot of spaces that I've been in in my life, as, a, as almost like a pioneer, as a person of color, you know, I, I feed off of that limelight. But in the same token, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about the people who come behind me. So that's the easiest way I can uh, describe it to you right now. What's your Myers Briggs type? I, you know what? You can ask me in two weeks because I have to take the test in two weeks. So I, I don't really don't know it right now. So ask me in two weeks. Do you happen to know your Hogwarts house? Of course I do. Who, if. If you ever have somebody on here who does not, I would strongly question the validity of this podcast. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, it's Gryffindor. I mean, oh, and right. that, that again goes without saying, but it's Gryffindor. Pot- Pottermore confirmed? Yes. Let me ask, because a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, when they get typed as Gryffindor, they rebel against it. Do you sound like you're just straight up embracing it? I'm straight up embracing it. I'm, I love that. I'm starting to love it. Now, now that I know that Ralph's a Gryffindor, <laughs> I, that's all I ever wanted. I just assumed he was a Ravenclaw. That's why I always wanted to go Ravenclaw. Like, I'm whatever Ralph. Thank you, Thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> what is a concert that you wish you could travel back in time to see happen live? Without question, guys, MC Hammer. Oh, um, which era so, though? Is this too legit to quit MC Hammer? Adam's too feeling. legit to quit MC Hammer. Ooh, and yeah. here's why: because it was the first. Con- first of all, it was the first concert I've been to where there was more than you know a person performing, two people performing, plus the band. You know, he at all times he had like 15 dancers and performers on stage, and he had pyrotechnics. I mean, yeah, it was. There's a reason why he has no money now. There is a reason because why he, he spent has no all money of now. it on there performers. Is, there is. <laughs> yeah, There's he gave his money why. to all these people. That's right. That's right. So, but it was so such a performance. It was so good. You know, he had a storyline in the middle of his concert, and it, it was fantastic. So, MC Hammer, MC Hammer. Yeah, too legit to quit. That yeah. was man. I, I that was my tape. I was oh. into that. Oh. That, that, that's that was so that was such a I every song on it was so great. It was so good. But it is yeah. one of those is one of those albums, tapes, when you look back and you say, Wow, we we really listened to that and loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Still oh, did, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. The whole thing now sounds like like a bad soundtrack to a video game that was yeah. trying to be urban or something yes, like that. Like, that is so true. The kids will like this one. The kids will like this one, yes. yes. <laughs> Lots of like fake like kinda mm-hmm. Fake yes. trumpet, uh, lots of hits. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so true. Great. So Such great. The good stuff. All right, you and I, we might be opening up for a debate on this, but favorite superhero? Oh, I mean, Batman without question. I mean, for so many reasons, you know, outside of the fight, outside of the fact that he kicked Superman's butt, um, he's the most intelligent person. Yes, 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 he did. 
Yes. I do wait, wait. I do want to record for posterity that Jay and I both made the exact same nonverbal facial expression, which was incredulous in for the exact opposite reasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, of course, and Jay was like, how dare you? And we both threw our hands up in exasperation. All right, favorite Beatle. Uh, Paul McCartney. Correct I, I, I realized yesterday, last week, I said Ringo's the right answer. Paul McCartney's the right answer. It, Paul McCartney's the right. Ringo's the fun answer. Paul McCartney's the right answer. That yeah. yes, yes. That, I I do like this as a question because it is like a personality type. It is typing thing. It, Ringo it is. is the Hufflepuff. Yes, yeah. the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> He, he is. Yeah. George is the Ravenclaw. Yeah. John is 100% the Slytherin. No yes. question. And, and, uh, and Paul is the Gryffindor. Is Everything the Gryffindor. That's, that's great and wrong about Gryffindor is Paul McCartney. Yes. That is yeah. absolutely He's a accurate. hero who, you, who can't stop talking about how great he is. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, related question. Favorite Muppet? I don't know. Definitely aren't related at all. Definitely related because, again, my favorite Muppet is Kermit the Frog. Mm. Okay. And you know well, he's, why? He's pretty great. He's pretty Because whenever you have a frog who can pull, has such so much charisma to pull a pig, I mean, I want to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about that. He has so much, mm, just he has so much whatever it takes for, he, for him to pull a pig. Yeah, but he Gonzo is the opposite, where he's like, ooh, chickens. And the chickens are like, get, get away from me, Gonzo. Favorite SNL cast member of all time? So I thought long and hard about this, and it has to be it has to be Penelope, which is Kristen Wiig. It, it has to be. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I love that character. I, I think she was on for um, at least five, six, maybe even seven years. And she... Yeah. You know, uh, progressed that character to a point where it was just you would just get you would just laugh every time she just showed up on a skit, right? So, um, and then a close second to that would be was that which one was the Penelope character was the like with the long hair? Where she's she the long like, hair yeah. and she had to be better than everyone. Yeah, yeah, she she's had, like, she had, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. She's one okay. up. She's what she one up to you. Yep. Um, and then a, I was trying to think of a close second to that, but there's so many now. I'll just I'll stick with Kristen and, and go with that. Yeah. Uh, your go-to character in Smash Brothers or Mario Kart? So it's Smash Brothers, and it's Snake. Of, of oh, Snake is Snake is the he's the odd job. Of, <laughs> of, of, he's cheating. Snake, Snake is the. <laughs> Why would you say that? Oh, because he's so much better than everybody. Else. Oh, he's so good though, and it and it yeah. harkens me back to my you know old PlayStation games when I used to play. You know the game that he was on, and I just it, it, yeah. And I was asking my my boys, my one of my four boys, uh, just this morning. I'm like, I, I couldn't even think of him the, uh, when we first start playing it. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, Snake. So without question, it was Snake. Without question, it's it, it, he's so much more violent than everybody else in the game too. Like it's funny, like you're playing against like Kirby and Yoshi, and then yes. all of a sudden Snake pulls away from the screen with a sniper rifle yes. and just starts shooting people. A missile launcher and yes, yep. yes. Yeah. Absolute rockets and everything. That's it's so yeah, awesome. straight odd straight up odd job. Yes. That, that yes. Snake. A band or musical liking you inherited from your parents. So band and it's Earth, Wind and Fire. But yes. Oh. Hey, do you I'm remember? Mean, <laughs> it, was, it was the 21st day of September, September. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember I do the, it's funny you say that because whenever I was a permanent pulpit supply at uh, Crossroads as you guys know Crossroads in, in um, Wexford and mm-hmm. uh, on my last day um, I played that song uh, for my children's message 
nice. It was fantastic. It was so great. So yeah, so yeah Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. I started to notice I was in trouble. If you don't know Earth, Wind, and Fire, they are a huge band. Horn sections and just lots yeah. of people on stage. I uh, I, uh, I started. To, I always would say when we have a huge worship team in our contemporary service, this is an Earth, Wind, and Fire day. And I more and more just get blank stares of like, what are you talking about? I'm like, sure you do. There's no I'm hope sure for American do. children in music. <laughs> Your favorite Bible story or character? So I have two. Um, the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son for so many reasons that hopefully you bring me on again for another podcast and we just talk about those two uh, yes. Bible stories. Just just those two. And, and I would love to. That would be fantastic. Your favorite sport to play or your favorite sport to watch? So I'm curious to, to, to hear the response to this. Uh, you know, at my older age, you know, my favorite sport to play is golf. Oh, uh-huh, it, uh-huh. it's awful quiet. It's awful quiet now. I mean, <laughs> no, that's fine. That's if you fine. don't consider it a sport, I understand. Um, I like that you quoted it. You yeah, put quotes around it. I did because I yeah. really don't consider it a sport. We had some real strong feelings on what constitutes a sport mm-hmm. in the last one, so I'll yeah. let you continue before we, we talk about it. <laughs> so um, again, we can I can come back on again and have another podcast about whether or not golf you is a should. sport or not. Yeah, you yeah. should. And then the favorite, my favorite to watch is hockey by far. I mean, it's, it's the action and, you know, my, my son and I, We this was probably six or seven months ago we were talking about, you know, whether we would rather watch an NFL playoff game or the game seven of a, a hockey playoff. And it, I mean, just no comparison to me. Without question. Yeah. Without there's no, question. There's no, there's no comparison, right? There's just, there's just no comparison. So game seven, every time, all the time. So hockey. Uh, are you a Penguins fan or are you a sinner? Uh, <laughs> oh, by the righteousness of, of, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all those things. I am a Penguins fan. I'm a Penguins fan. <laughs> That's good. That's so I, good. Do, I, do have to, I do have to say that, that just to bring it, because I'm curious, because, Ralph, you are a CrossFitter. Mm-hmm. Yes? CrossFitist? Is that is that it? Is that Crossfitter is, is Crossfitter. Crossfitter. Because <laughs> um, we had uh, the wonderful Reverend, uh, soon to be Reverend Doctor Carissa Howe on last time, and she said her favorite sport yep, to yep. play was CrossFit, and which started the conversation okay. then about whether or not CrossFit is a sport. It's not a sport. It's not oh. a sport. It's not. It's not a sport. Now, now again, Ralph, you're you're all in. You've drunk the Kool Aid on CrossFit, right? I have drunk the Kool-Aid. I think it's fantastic. I would recommend it to everyone and anyone. Ask my wife. I'm still trying to get her to, to join. But it is not a sport. It's not why a sport. would you say? Why would you say it's not a sport? Because if it's done correctly, then it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be perceived as a sport. I mean, you know, what CrossFit is is for, you know, improvement of life, improvement of your, your body, um, in a way that is not at least done the right way. That is not intentional to you know get to get real big or or even to get strong. It's just a, a, a toning up of your body, and mm. that's not sport related. Now you can make it into a competition. Yeah. But I can make you know remember that old football paper clip paper thing you would slide the football across the folded up piece of paper across the table. Mm-hmm. That's competition too. So yeah. But it's not a sport. So. So <laughs> I think that. without without belaboring the point because I don't want to get off the off the rails again, but. The, the point that in listening back to my rant about it last time was uh, 
to me, and this was all personal preference, so this wasn't necessarily saying for everyone. My biggest thing was like, why is it an insult not to call it a sport? Like people get offended with like, it is like they defend it. It's like, who cares if it's a sport? I'm not saying you're not an athlete. I just, I would make a distinction between there's games. Yes. There's competitions. Yes. And there's sports. Yes. But, and you can be, and being an athlete doesn't <laughs> connect to any of those things necessarily. Like you can be a, an right. athlete right. and not in those. And to me, the biggest distinction from something not being a sport is if I do it non-competitively, am I still doing it? Mm. And if I am, then it's not a sport. Yeah. So like if you, if I run for fitness, yeah, then running's not a sport. Yeah. Now I can turn it into a competition, and and that's why I was saying last time that a lot of the Olympic events I don't consider as sports. I think they're athletic competitions. They're to demonstrate athleticism. I agree. Uh, that to me is the semantic distinction. But who cares? Clearly, you do. I was going to say, clearly you do, Tyler. <laughs> I mean, which is fantastic. <laughs> Not. I appreciate that. Yeah, it seems like people get so mad when you don't validate their activity as a sport. Who cares if it's a sport? Yes. I'm not saying you're not a, like I think that some of the most world class athletes that are in existence are professional wrestlers. I would never entertain a conversation where someone says professional wrestling is a sport. Yeah. That's a great because point. it's theater. Yeah, and some is. of the most fit people in the world are professional dancers. That's also not a sport. That's not an insult to it. Um, but they take it that point. way sometimes. Exactly, or a lot well, of times the, I should say. And there was a good point brought up on Twitter about there's a lot of misogyny wrapped it up mm. in things not being called a sport because in in high school and stuff like that it is often any women's athletic event, especially cheerleading, which for many schools that's the most athletic thing that that women are allowed that to women, do. Yes, yes. And so by saying that's not a sport, it's to push put them down. And I yes. I, I don't I want to. Separate from that, and maybe it can't be separated. So again, maybe this is a stupid conversation. No, I, I love the passion. All I care about is that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> uh, the last movie you've watched, Mr. Ralph. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. The last movie I watched was, believe it or not, it was an animated movie called uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Is that, that good? It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> we it both is, started salivating. Yeah. Yes. It is, it is, it's really good. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. I think you'll really enjoy it. For as much as DC cannot get their act together on the live action stuff, their right? animated movies are it is incredible. So incredible. They're, real, they're nailing it with the animated stuff. They it's are. Really, they really, really did good. a really good job with this Dark Apocalypse because it is yeah. it is all those things that you, you know, you kind of like, a, you know, because they're superheroes, right? So they win the day all the time and, you know. You know, they, you know, right over wrong and all that. And this one gives you kind of a world, really good view of, you know, sometimes things don't go out the way you come out the way you plan it. So it's good. I highly recommend it. Uh, farthest from your house you've ever been on the planet or off the planet if you're with Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Anyone in Jamaica? That's probably half. California. Jamaica's probably half. Like, yeah, California. California, I would say. Isn't that weird that there are like, uh, other countries that we can go to that are closer right. to us than right. California. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That's why I had, to, I had to pause and think about it for a second. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah sheer, California. Sheer distance wise. Yeah. 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 Favorite mm -hmm. smell? Bacon. Mm. Bacon smell is my favorite smell. Hard you know, agree. I have, the, I have this. Can I say it on here? My favorite statement about bacon? Can I say yeah. that to you guys? Yeah. Nothing burps better than bacon. <laughs> <laughs> you call the marketing department you get that sentence on a t-shirt immediately <laughs> nothing burps better than bacon 
what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? Believe it or not, I wanted to be a detective when mm. I was a little kid. And Batman. my my Batman. uncle, Batman, right? And my <laughs> uncle talked me out of it. He's like, how many black detectives have you ever seen in your life, buddy? And I was like, come on, Uncle Stanley. Like, why, why are you crushing my hopes and dreams here? What are you doing here? What he was really saying was, you know, how much money is it in being a detective? That's what he's really saying, right? Yeah. So, but to my young mind, you know, he wanted to shape it in a way that it needed to be shaped, which was, how many have you seen? So, but I wanted to be a detective. Um, there was, I'm going to age myself now, guys, so give me a second. So there's this show on, I think it was NBC, called Remington Steel. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I love, for, for whatever reason, I loved that show. I, I loved, you know, it was, you know, in 60 minutes he saw the murder, crime, mystery, you know. And so for years I wanted to be Remington Steel. I wanted to be that, you know. So anyway, that's what I wanted to be. This concludes the rapid fire questions for today. And I have a feeling Ralph has some things to say in the next segment. So I'm Jay. I'm Ralph. And I'm Tyler. And this is Roughing the Pastor. Ralph, tell us real quick uh, who you are and what you do. So my name is Ralph Lowe, and I am the director of Justice Ministries at the Pittsburgh Presbytery. I would think as the director of Justice Ministries for a for a church system like the Presbytery, you may have some thoughts on your mind in the last week or so <laughs> uh, in, in what's going on with our country. So I mean, I'm just going to tee you up for that and say, what are you thinking through? What are you seeing what are you observing in the world around us? Yeah. Thank you, Jay. I, I really appreciate you asking that question the way you did because um, <laughs> it's just, it, it just speaks to, I think, something that's come very prevalent to me over the past 10 days. It's been 10 days since, unfortunately, the, the murder of, of George Floyd. But what's very prevalent to me is this this um, calling of Black Lives Matter and mm. and the worth of black life. And um, if, if, if I were to have the opportunity to speak to acquaintances who were white, uh, not friends and best friends like Tyler, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if I were to speak to acquaintances who were white and, and they came to me and asked me, Ralph, just, and as you're asking me, Jay, um, you know, what, tell me what you're feeling right now or tell me, you know, your thoughts on just the, the, the state of the world right now. And I would say simply that it is that it feels like black life does not matter. Um, hmm. It is uh, so hard, Jay, to really put into words um, the feeling that your life 
isn't worth what you think it should be worth in this country um, as people of color. And um, I think whenever we are diving in discussions of racism and oppression, um, we, we, I, we, I think we move, we can get, go off on all these tangents of, you know, institutional and structural racism and, um, and anti-racists and, and all these things. And um, we forget at the, the, the base of all that is, is the view of people of color and, and their worth in this country. Everything else is, grows from that. Everything else is a byproduct of what their worth is in this country. Um, so to, to specifically answer your question, uh, Jay, I, I would really like to talk about Black Lives Matter and, and, and the worth of black people, yeah. of, of color of people of color. I, I, so, so I'm thinking about the, the, the common comeback on Black Lives Matter from people that don't quite understand what's being said in that sentiment is, well, don't all lives matter? Yes, sir. Um, yes, and sir. and I, I hear it all the time and it frustrates me but I, I just want to throw that back and see where you land with that. Like, why is Black Lives Matter so crucial in this moment uh, in national yes. history? Yeah, so thank you for that again, Jay, for, for saying out loud that um, you're absolutely right, you know, that that it's either all lives matter or blue lives matter. Or um, So um, I'm going to make two points. The first is we, and I say we, I'm including everybody in this because I think all of us need to think about it in this framework. Uh, the Black Lives Matter is a, is, is a movement, right? And the movement itself is, is thought of in two ways, I think. The first is, uh, you know, kind of a strategic activist movement um, um, to combat the harming of people of color, black people specifically, but it really is people of color, okay? Or we think of it being a racist movement who is exclusionary and, you know, toward whites and which I think is a, me- a media propagated uh, uh, farce. But we either fall in those two things. Right. So if we start there and then we kind of think about that term, all lives matter or blue lives matter, um, whether you whether you fall far into the racist movement or far into the strategic or somewhere in, in the middle where I think a lot of people are. Um, that's where you get this sentiment of worth, okay? You get this sentiment of, if we say, for some reason, Jay, and I know we're going to talk about this and kind of vet this out, but if we say Black Lives Matter, we are somehow saying, by saying that, that other life does not matter. So we are so, mm, we are so, Afraid, I think, of Black Lives Matter, Black Lives in general, that we somehow attribute saying that out loud, um, whether you're whether you see it from somebody coming from a white person or a person of color, that is lessening the value of a police officer or white lives when we say all lives matter, which is simply not the case. You know, Black Lives Matter is is a tool, it is a, a phrase for um, people of color to use to assert their worth in this country and also a tool for allies, white allies to use to say your life does matter and it does not mean my life doesn't. Um, 
so that's the way I would answer that question and, and how I feel when people say that. It is not, when I say Black Lives Matter or anyone says Black Lives Matter, it is not a, 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 a to say that white lives don't matter or blue lives don't matter. And, and, and I, something else I want to talk about is how we do that to change the narrative of life that is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I feel about that, Jason. It is, it is um, this notion that other lives don't matter when we say black, life doesn't matter, black, black lives matter. Uh, thank you for that explanation of it, um, and particularly the, that so often the phrase "all lives matter" does get used in the way of minimizing another group, like the people yes. that use it to say, "Well, Black Lives Matter is saying white lives don't matter." By saying yeah. "all lives matter," you're kind of saying, "So the problems that that Black people and people of color are undergoing right now." are not as big a deal as you are making it. And so by saying right. that, like it, the irony is that the All Lives Matter movement is often used in exactly the opposite of what that phrase is is meaning. Correct. Correct. And, they, and the narrative has changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would also, I think it's important to point out, I, I, for, uh, from my perspective, uh, yeah. th- reverse racism is not a thing. Uh, racism, <laughs> it, it, it just isn't. And so to say that Black yeah. Lives Matter is a racist thing is impossible um, because yeah. racism requires power and yes. like systematic power, not just power of a person over a person for uh, yeah. like a, 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 a for a 30 year old person to be to have power over a five year old person. Uh, that's that's a different situation when the system has power over a group of people that is what is required for racism there is hatred there is prejudice there is all kinds of things that we can on individual levels have but racism is systematic and so no one can be racist against white people unless they're in a system where there is a a non-white race or non-white group of people that is oppressing this certain group which does not exist anywhere on the planet like it does That's so right. it's it you just can't it, it is it is the most ridiculous um from a from an objective sociological standpoint racism is a mm-hmm. system that's different than prejudice it's different than hate like yes there you can hate a white person you can be prejudiced against a white person in the same way you can get be prejudiced against anything but racism in and of itself requires systematic oppression and it's just it, it you can one can criticize Black Lives Matter movement for all kinds of things. You cannot call it reverse racist because yes. that, it just doesn't. That's not the setup. That's just, it's, it's, it doesn't work. That's right. But so so. But what we have to acknowledge, though, Tyler, is because of when the hashtag Black Lives Matter came on and how it was progressed in the media and, and through social and, and media as, as as possibly this movement, this exclusionary movement, um, while. You and Jay and many of my friends, you know, understand and are educated enough to 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 know better. That seeps in the minds of good-hearted Christians who really do feel like they're not racist, who feel like they're they're good people, but in the back of their minds, they have this notion of well, all lives do matter, right? And so, um, I think it's important. It's probably the most important thing that we can do um, as Christians um, and as people who love Christ to to embrace the fact that we cannot have an it is it is, I am and I say this all the time we cannot have a um, 
we can't have an opinion on something we don't have experience with. Mm. So, yes. for example, yes. Yes. right, right. So, not so a, if not a valid opinion, not a valid, not a. I'm sorry. Again, no one, I don't you. think CrossFit's a sport, and we're gonna go <laughs> right. <on>. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I've never done it, so I, who cares what I think? Right. Yeah. So, not, so not a valid opinion. So, I, well, I listen. I love my brothers and sisters who really feel like they they are not racist, and ninety percent of them are not. Ninety percent of them are. Um, wonderful Christian human beings who truly uh, love everyone, right? But if that if that is not validated by having an experience in relationship with people of color, um, sharing in their experiences, understanding where the term Black Life Matters comes from, and your only um, education, your only feedback in that is... CNN or Fox News or anywhere in between without having a relationship with someone of color is to the detriment of black life. You have to be invested in black life in order to understand black lives matter um, or in people of color. Uh, go ahead, I, think, I think, too, like that systemic piece is something that hopefully is coming to light more. Um, we, we haven't had much time to wrestle with this, but there was there was a stark image in my mind. Um, and I might get super offensive on a couple different political points here, so let's buckle up, folks. But Ahmad Arbery uh, chased down and shot uh, mm-hmm. because for suspicion of stealing and being a threat, and may, he went into some work site or whatever. So people were suspicious. Which, which by the way, Jay. Which by the way, Jay. Not to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead. I have done. I have done many times. Like, how can you not walk by like a construction site? When, when like people are and you you kind of walk in there and you kind of look around like wow this is this is how right. it's done this right. this is how it's done right so I'm sorry go ahead Jay but, but no it's, that's great because because I've done it too and, and the 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 comment kept coming that he was perceived as a threat right and right. you hear that constantly I thought he had a gun I thought she had a gun I thought you know blah, blah. I can't square that with the image a few weeks ago around that same time of people storming state capitals with AR-15s in plain view. That's right. And not a drop of blood Basically holding signs saying, I'm a threat. Yes. It's like they wanted to communicate very clearly, I am a threat to you, government. Do not come at me. I will kill you. Yes. Yes. And and, and in one case, uh, someone dies. And in another case, everybody walks home safe. That's right. What was the difference? That's the the systemic piece. That's right. right. That that, that it's not, you know... I, I have black friends that I hear that all the time. Like, that is right. Good for you. It's good not an you. it's not an individual problem. It's a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so thank you for that, Jay. Um, that you're absolutely right. Um, so, and that's what I was going to leave. So, it's, so it starts with relationship, right? It starts with a relationship with you know those individuals who do say they have black friends, um, which is very important, or people of color friends, which is that's listen, that's the most important thing. That's where you start. But then you're right, Jay. It, it definitely leads into this systemic problem. And the, and the problem with that is people will say, some people will say that there is not a systemic problem. Um, and they'll try to give examples. And, you know, it, you know, I hear this phrase more often than I should, you know, that, you know, in this country, do you like this is this is my Tyler voice, by the way. <laughs> Classic white guy. Classic white guy. That's In this country, you know, you just gotta pick yourself up by your bootstraps Ugh. and just make something of yourself. I mean, that's that's what you gotta do. 
I sound just like Tyler right now. I know. You just got to yeah, do that. that. You got to make something, right? Make something of yourself. Of course, Tyler does not say that all the time. That's why I'm no. using your name. So, um, and then what we miss so often in phrases that are framed just like that is for people of color, we don't have any bootstraps, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't have any bootstraps. And that is systemic. That is, you know, when they're handing out boots and bootstraps, we don't. We don't get bootstraps to, to, to pull ourselves up or they're hidden or, and I'm, I'm using a lot, and I'm getting a little fired up here, so I apologize. So Go for it. So, you know, it is so important for um, our white brothers and sisters to understand that the system is oppressive. The system is in place to keep people of color oppressed. And until we yes. come to that point where we can see that, um, we're, we're, we're not, we're going to be here in three weeks right now. You know, I, I'm sure, you, you know, um, um, you guys have been, um, listening and, and, um, talking with your children and, and friends and cause, because you guys, you know, want to, uh, progress and take the necessary steps as, as white allies to, to do better, to be better. You know, that's fantastic. I know you, both of you personally. So I know three weeks from now, a month from now, you'll still be having a conversation Right. The problem, though, gentlemen, is in the past three weeks from now and a month from now, we're, we're not having the conversation until someone else of color is killed. Yep. And that has to stop. Yep. We have to continue the conversation week to week to week without the loss of life, not without the loss of life. Um, and I just and I'm trying to do that. I think that that's that's what speaks to privilege. Yeah. Privilege allows the 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 dominant culture the white culture mm-hmm. uh, which is not the dominant culture is not white people because the white culture is American culture that everybody has to live in because that's kind of what we're told I mean there there are uh, kind of pockets of other culture but the dominant culture of America is white yeah and the the dominant culture of America it can can talk about anything else in three weeks because for white people this is not something that directly impacts them that's right and the way in which it does directly impact them is that involves them changing that's right it involves us admitting that we are part of the problem admitting that we could be part of the solution that uh, that we're essential to the solution and admitting that in order to do that we will have to change it doesn't mean that things will get worse for us but it means that things will be different for us and we are incredibly comfortable in this system and the people in power for the last 400 years have benefited from things being the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And so that power is so deep-seated in our culture that it can't change in three weeks. And right. everything in our culture is bending us toward saying, ah, we can't really do anything. Or we already fixed it. We elected a black guy. Like, that, right. we, we're yeah. fine. Right. Uh, and, we d- and now it's just like, well, we elected the wrong black guy because he caused all these problems and it's his right. fault that we're having all... Like, that, like that, it's, that is a... That's the narrative that power that is desperate to hold on to power. This is not targeting yes. any specific people, but power. Uh, there are people that are involved in this, but I'm not trying to name them. But that that sense of because it and it's also the it's inherited. Like the system of power is benefits on people of color not having power of any sort, uh, on poor people and immigrants not having power, 
and throughout mm-hmm. like and this is the way that empire works this is the way that empire works from biblical times like this is not a from new bi- narrative right. this is a human narrative that's right is that when you get power that power only is sustainable by having people to fuel that power and those people not mm-hmm. having any rights and the second you start that's to right. give them rights the second it jeopardizes that power and mm-hmm. it doesn't de- jeopardize people's livelihood and people's like peace as a whole but the people mm-hmm. in power save keep that power by telling the other people hey those people are a threat to you not to us yeah. but to you that's right and so that's to right. other people who are middle class or lower class white people it, it there has been a lot a, a huge campaign for the last 400 years to tell us well at least you're not black at least and you're not that's guess right. what that's as right. soon as we make them free they're going to take your jobs mm-hmm. and it's, and once they vote they're going to vote things that will make you the victim and so we don't want them to like it justifies all of these systemic things that keep power away from the people who have been oppressed throughout history regardless of who those people are in an, in America we are exceptionally good at oppressing black people uh, yes. but also indigenous people and yes. immigrants and anyone yes. who doesn't have uh, fair skin mm-hmm. because that those are the people that we have needed to fuel the power power That's and right. as soon as they are understand that they have power then that jeopardizes the whole system mm. it's basically a, a bug's life just watch a bug's life that'll, that'll explain everything. <laughs> so can i can, can we pause right here and i just want to say something out loud before we it. continue is this you know us talking together it's so refreshing um and this is not to to just damning to the people in the other um, conversations and interviews I've done over the past week to any of my, my white brothers and sisters. But if you've noticed, I haven't had the, I, I wasn't the first one to use systemic racism. I wasn't the first one to use privilege. And until we can get in conversations when the person of color is not the first person to use those, that terminology, <laughs> where we're, 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 that, we're, we're moving in, in that direction, that's where we need to go. So I, I applaud both of you for being able to just pull that out without the, the the black man in the room saying it. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Well, that um, that, that tees up another question I've had lately, and this is something I'm struggling with, and I, I'd love your your insights on it. Uh, we did an episode a while back, one of my favorites, uh, mostly because I wasn't in it, um, on white supremacy. <laughs> And yeah. uh, our good friend Rob Bradford talked about abdicating power. Uh, that mm-hmm. as a, per- a white person in America, one of the best things I can do is set aside the privilege and power I have for people of color and, and hand those mm-hmm. reins over. I mm-hmm. have felt this real tension in this season uh, since George Floyd's death of wanting to say things and wanting to mm-hmm. be an ally. But I feel like, and maybe this is just me, that the last thing we need in this conversation right now is another white man spouting off on Facebook, right? So, so, so uh, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree 100%. I would. But Jason, here's the thing. What is the audience of your podcast? Who is the audience of your podcast? Oh, man, I don't know. Rachel Jones and, like, a lot of other people. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had to guess, if you had to guess who was listening to Roughing the Pastor, who is that audience? Majority white. I mean, majority white people. Okay. So the again, coolest white people, though. The, the coolest. coolest. Yeah. But without question, the coolest. Yeah. The coolest. Also nerds, but, in the, but yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm raising my hand for those who are listening, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. So, but I think you have to, and that's part of being an ally. Hmm. 
Jason, to your point. So I, I appreciate your struggle, but that's part of being an ally because in those instances when you know the voice that will resonate more to the audience that is listening would be your voice, that's important. Hmm. And, it needs to re- and, and, it, and it needs to ring truth and it, and it needs to be exactly what you, both of you just articulated in, 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 in the past uh, 50 minutes, which is you know, systematic racism, privilege. It, it needs to be. Now, I'll add to that as you articulated, the last thing we need is somebody, another white man to, to spot off on Facebook, right? Um, but what you could do is share something your black brothers and sisters have said. Yep. That's what you could do, right? Because that's a more universal viewing, uh, hopefully. Um, and that would, be, that would be something that's really great and really positive and give an example of allowing people of color to lead or come alongside people of color during, color during this time. Yeah. But I applaud both of you. In this instance, it's absolutely needed for you two to be the ones to say those out loud. And you know, and, and as you, um, and um, I've talked with other people this week, and I can see. And I'm just being honest with you guys. I can see their eyes. These are my white brothers and sisters, my white siblings. Gloss over when I use terms like privilege hmm. and systematic racism, and you know, and because in their mind they're they're replaying the fact that listen, you're not talking to me. I'm, I'm a yeah. good Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'm one good. Of the good ones. I, I don't need to hear this because I'm one of the good ones. When that is exactly who needs to hear this. Yeah. You know, I, I know what the far right, I, I know what will and what won't work when talking to them. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I know that these, term, these terms will be changed, will be molded in a way that suits them. You know, to, and, I, and I say them purposefully because I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. far right, of course. But. For those, it's the individuals who are who call themselves good-hearted, good-hearted Christians who raise their hand when they say I'm not racist, who need to hear these this terminology and this thinking of Black life that matters and its worth and what that means and systematic racism and privilege and, and all those things that we've talked about so far, in order for them to a bell to go off, hopefully for a bell to go off in their head and say, you know what, that is something that pertains to me. If I don't get involved. It, it definitely won't change. Um, so in, in this instance, in this setting, Jason, it absolutely has to be your voice. And I think if you continue to ask yourself that question of whether it's appropriate for you to lead the conversation or listen to the conversation, you'll, you'll get it wrong sometimes. But more often than not, you'll get it right. And yeah. continue, if you continue to ask that question, absolutely. Well, that's be led by is, is something you said in that, that I think that's the season I'm in right now. And I'm not saying it's a forever season. I just feel like there's so much going on right now that I've been paying yeah. attention to uh, Rob Bradford on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Walton yes. uh, yes. in our own presbytery has some things mm-hmm. to say. Um, and not just... There's there's a way to do that that's tokenizing, right? Like let's listen to this for a week or two, and then when things get back to normal, we'll and then be... that's exactly right. Like to actually that's... put yourself under the leadership of people Correct. of color that have some things to say in this moment uh, is a vital step in all of that um, moving it is. forward. It is. It also gets to the 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 natural the natural tendency of of human nature is to think of yourself as a good guy, as mm-hmm. a good person. And so, especially once we realize something uh, that we have, if we make a mistake and then we now are changed, then we think, well, now I'm one of the good ones. And like, because I can see the value of Black Lives Matter, I can't be racist. Like I can't be 
some of the I'm I'm one I like black people. I I have black friends. I I listen to black music like that. I like black people want, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but and, and that and that the, but the the whole sense of like uh, that racist people are are the bad people. Yeah, and me and racism is an action that you do actively. And that's not the case. Racism is yes. something that's inherited. It's, it's yes. part of our culture. And for me to say, well, I'm not racist because I don't want to be. I am I am racist. And I have yeah. to accept that. And it's not because I'm a bad person. It's because right. I'm in a culture that's racist. And yeah. part of my racism is the way in which I see people differently. The way yeah. in which, because I've been conditioned to. And so mm-hmm. the only way to fix that is not to just say, well, I've got black friends. And and I'm going to uh, bring on a token black friend to talk about racial issues and everybody can see, well, look at how great that is. Like, there is part of me right. that feels really good when you're complimenting how, right. how, how nice we are and how we've handled this conversation. And I think, well, yeah, yes. yeah, we are the good yes. ones. But, but no, yes. we still have those problems. And unless we, um, if we use black voices and black bodies as, as white people just to make people think that we're not racist, just, just to, mm. again, tokenizing people. That we bring mm. someone on just be like, look at us. We're woke, which is mm. just a phrase that I'm so exhausted with at this point. Oh. Um, oh. Then it means nothing. Then it's no worse. Then we are still right. racist. We are still yes. saying, look at me. I'm one of those white people who who has white friends, or who has black friends, who has people of color friends, has gay friends, has whatever. But still, it's about me. Like, look at how great I am. Yes. Yes. And I'm not learning. I'm just putting someone forward to make other people think that I'm great. And I have yeah. done that for a lot of my life. And realizing that I'm, I'm using people as objects to try mm. to, uh, for, I mean, to try to grow myself, but really more just to get people to notice that I'm one of the good ones. And unless yeah. I actually hear them and not, not use their voice just to augment mine, but use their voice... Yeah and use their experience to change who I am and yeah. to recognize that, that you, 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 uh, uh, um, the, 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 I mean, there's a great book, how to be anti-racist that, yeah. that talks about, um, yeah. by Ibram Kendi, Ibram Rex mm-hmm. Kendi. And, and, and it talks about there is racism and there's anti-racism. Anti- there is not right. non non-racist. Like you can't, yeah. it's like if you are in water, you're either swimming or you're dying. Like there, you dying. can't. You, yeah. So you you have to swim in one direction. You you have to actively do this thing, and the yes. bar is so low for white people that oh. anytime we have a conversation with a black person that isn't offensive, we feel like we're one of the good ones. Like that's the bar yes. of being anti-racist is just having a, 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 a putting our Instagram picture to black for one day. Yeah. <laughs> like I made a difference. My favorite my favorite pictures are. Um, look at me with my black friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been friends since we were seven, but we, we haven't <laughs> talked for, for, for six years. But look, this is, this is, this is, I, I see that all the time now. Over the past 10 yeah. days, I've seen that all the time. Or, or read this story from my, this interracial couple that I know who talks about it. it, it but again, like you said, the, the privilege of that is two weeks from now, the, 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 their interests will have moved on to something else. Yeah. Right. And I can um, satiate my need to make a difference by feeling yes. like I've done some good by yes. retweeting this one person retweeting. one time. And yes. now I can get on and talk about what's a sport and what isn't a sport with, with a clear conscience because that I, we dealt with that issue. 
white people want to feel uh, good about what we're doing, we always suddenly happen to bring out our, our, our one person of color or, or a couple people of color that we don't usually elevate, but we're going to elevate in this situation. And not that that's a bad thing to elevate people, but it, it, we have to, I've realized that I need to check my motivation. Am I doing this so that people think that I'm great? Or am I doing this to actually change and actually let these voices be part of uh, my education on a regular basis, not just when this particular issue is coming up? Yeah, I think that, and that's, that's great. You're absolutely right, uh, Tyler. But um, the, 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 the problem though, and, and, this is, and this is, I think, where the, the most work needs to be done is, you know, um, you know, I wrote a letter for the Presbytery uh, this week. And in that letter, I said, uh, I gave some steps to uh, those um, white uh, siblings, I call them Christians, um, and when you feel stuck in these moments of, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then that letter, the, the, the first thing I said was, you know, seek out communities of color, people of color, to have relationships with. Um, not, don't use the excuse of geography. Technology is a way for, for you to have those relationships. And the reason why I started out with that one was because while you have advanced to the point where you understand that the relationship is a relationship and it is a two-way street. It is not a, it is not an approval rating for your for you and your character, but it's a, it is a relationship that needs to be enhanced together in mm-hmm. understanding and love. Some people aren't aren't there. And I yes. and I'm thinking about my white brothers and sisters who are in predominantly white churches. Um, or, or let's be honest, most of our churches in, in the Pittsburgh yeah. Presbytery yeah. are, are all white, right? Yeah. Um, and they don't have, so they don't have those relationships, or, or at least they, they don't even have anyone around them to start mm-hmm. those relationships or even attempt to have those relationships. So, well, it becomes so evident how segregated our communities are. We think yes. of ourselves as an integrated society. We are not. We, I mean, uh, the yes. redlining that happened in the 50s and stuff, like, it has worked yes. to a T. To a T, right? It yeah, is. The reason why, there's no black, there, there are so few black people in Wexford, in the area that I serve, and that is by design. It's not by design of that the people who design. live here currently, but it's, Correct. it's not because no black people want to live in Wexford. It's because it was That's illegal right. for black people to live in Wexford for That's a right. long time. That's right. And, and now we're just like, oh, I don't want... I don't know why they don't want to live here now because they were right. intentionally and now they're priced out. And I mean, it's still the systems are still there. It's just they've been slowly whittled down. So I'm sorry. Yes. I, I interrupted. No, 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 no. Yeah. Thank you. No, you're OK. So 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 we got so we have to remember that. And I in, in my job and what I'm doing, I have, I have to think about the collective, everyone um, that my voice can reach and touch as a person of color, as well as in my in my um, professional life. So that's why that first one was important to me, because I know I wanted to I wanted to resonate for those individuals, those, those white siblings of mine, that I get that you don't have any people of color around you, and you want to do something, and the worst thing you can do is just try to go, you know, re- retweet a post that you've gotten or um, be the 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 white um, Christian who spouts off but has zero contact with people of color. Um, <laughs> Right. Or or that that's the worst thing you do. So so seek those relationships. And I, and I put relationships because that's the most important thing. Um, and I, I love where you, Jason is and I love where you are. But relationships is the most important thing as a starting point. Um, but as you said, Tyler, once once that, that portion has been uh, accomplished, once that thing has been accomplished in your life as a person who has had not had a relationship with person of color before, 
I think the next step, if it's a true relationship, is through that understanding, coming alongside, like Jason said, um, as, as an ally to to help. Uh, and, I, and I'm just moving back to the, what we started with, which which is black worth um, mm-hmm. and black lives that matter, uh, people mm-hmm. of color lives that matter. Um, because it's only then, only when you're vested in the life, do you know that that life is worth that the life is worth the worth of that life, I should say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that just speaks to what you're saying, Tyler, and in, in, in understanding that. And, and the things you said about your relationship with people of color and, and how in the past that you used that relationship to make yourself look better. But now how you understand that that relationship is a, is, is a two-way street and mm-hmm. um, now you're vested. So, so whenever you hear the term oh, Black Lives Matter or, or the worth of black life, you understand it because of your relationship. Because you've yeah. changed your mind, you've changed your mentality about how you view people of color's lives. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. If it takes little steps at a time or maybe some gigantic steps at a time, that's what we need to do. Because that only then, I'm tell, I'm, I, and I, I can't say this enough, only then will people seek to change laws, to change the system that we currently are in, to mm-hmm. start voting in a way that helps all individuals, not just the, the uh, people who are in power. Um, mm-hmm. oh, that's that, that without that, that that's what's going to happen. So you have to be invested in understanding the worth of all individuals of color in this world. Um, well, and it and, also goes go to the, the, that it's not just a one day. It, the, uh, that's the problem with woke mm. is that woke is like snap. Now I get it, and it's not now that, I get it. Like the, and I'm that, that, right that it's been a progression even for me that I realized oh I'm yeah. just using people to make myself feel better, mm-hmm. and even <laughs> getting to. To to admit that, and and that's the sin of all human life is that we use people as objects, whether it's sexual objects or objects to give ourselves power or objects to give ourselves worth. Whenever we view people yeah. as objects, we are not loving them the way that Christ would have them, whether or not we yeah. are doing good for them. That we can often use people as objects when we feel like we are the benevolent thing. But I want to be Schindler. I want to be the one who saves all these people with my benevolence. I don't want to be someone who has to sit and hurt with people in the trenches. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, uh, that it's, it's not a just one day you get it and now I'm on the right side of, of this issue. It's a constant progression. And beca- again, because in, within, within me and within so many of us is this inherited sense that men are better than women, white mm. people are better than people of color, that, mm. and, and I mean, one of the things that was really hard is, is as as Jay was talking about how uh, how hard it is to abdicate and give this voice is that we are told as white male pastors, boy, are we told that our voice is so important, and oh. so it's really hard for us to not say, well, it better, I better tell people what I think because this is they're just waiting for me to say. Hey, you have my a Tyler voice. On this. You have a Tyler voice <laughs> right now. <laughs> that, was, that was my white guy impersonation. There it is. Well, let me tell you about this. Well, <laughs> it's that's... Guy Smiley from from uh, this is go ahead. I think, uh, oh, I want to do two things. I think, and I don't want to question anybody's motives, but like I think the woke thing and the doing something so it looks like you're doing something are very real. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, maybe a little. Um, But our community, Upper St. Clair, extremely white. Uh, Mm -hmm. I got word that Friday the high school is going to have a protest. Uh, and, (laughs) and, And again, are there some people in there that are legitimately interested in change? Probably. Are they all? I don't know. Like that to me mm. seems like not the most effective use of 
white privilege mm. to stand in a parking lot for an hour mm-hmm. in a community where there is very unlikely that any black lives are going to be touched by that protest. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't see it. Like, I just don't see that is, to me is not as effective as developing those relationships. Um, it, it's so true. Which isn't sorry, a knock Jason, on protesting. There are some people right. that yeah. ca- right. are, can, and should be protesting right now. Yeah. I'm not sure the teenagers of Upper St. Clair are those people. <laughs> Um, right? Yeah. Do you well, so uh, so? The, the, go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, I'm just gonna say real quickly. The hard thing is not necessarily the protest. The hard thing is that that protest makes them feel like they've done what they need to do. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Our desire yes. to be part of the solution, when it can be achieved in one afternoon, then we haven't done anything. It doesn't mean that Correct. that like yes, they should have that protest because people in Upper Saint Clair need to know that these kids think that there's a problem. But if that's the only thing that these kids do. It's, I mean, it's just like putting mm-hmm. the black on your Instagram for the black out there. That's totally great, Hermione Granger, as long as you're going to do more <laughs> than just that. <laughs> like, if that's the only thing you did, and it's for everything. Like, if I wear yeah. a Black Lives Matter, uh, like, I have a Black Lives Matter bracelet on. And I have, I've had it yeah. on for, like, a year since Rob Bradford gave it to me. Uh, it means nothing if I don't live in a way that, that means that it's, I mean, it's to, to bring it all back to Christianity too. It's love your neighbor as yourself means nothing. If you don't do that every day, if I only do that when it's mm-hmm. convenient to me and when I want to feel good about myself, then I have, then I'm not a Christian. I'm just Correct. a con- Christian when yeah. it's convenient. I am uh, not an anti-racist. If I'm only anti-racist, when I feel bad about the fact that I benefit from a racist system, and yeah. then I'm happy to, in three weeks, go back to benefiting from this racist system because I got distracted and it's too hard to really go. And now people are looting and I don't want to be associated. I mean, that, that also the, the dive of, of focusing on the looting. Oh, man, oh. that's part of the power system. Is I mean, that, part then of we the, change pot, the right? narrative. Yeah, then we change, we change the narrative, the narrative, change the narrative. look at yes, these criminals. Do. Yes, I mean, the, yes. yes, racism is bad, but boy, you should find a better way to protest. Yes. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend, um, a friend's mom, actually, who I mean, I, I talked about this earlier, but you know, she put um, uh, you know she put the life of a police officer um, that was killed in California, um, mm-hmm. and uh, a white police officer that was killed in California. And she said, "How come this isn't proclaimed? You know, or or how come this isn't on the news again? It is this narrative of you know we're not saying that that is is not tragic, or it, it, we're not saying that we don't grieve for that man and his family, but." You know that you're trying to change the narrative of, of is if we're saying Black Lives Matter that that his life didn't matter that that's not the case and it's so frustrating. It's the sometimes. both sides. So, it's the both sides thing. There's good people on both sides. It, kind of thing. It, like, right, right. Yeah. It's just not saying that. So I have a question that I wanted to ask um, both of you, and I wanted to frame it in a way that that um, um, it, I want you to have to ponder a little bit, which is you know both both of you guys are pastors, right? Yes. Both of you. Yes. Um, are uh, uh, and both of you? I think both of you said you uh, are all, all white churches. Is that is that for, correct? Yeah, is that primarily, accurate? primarily, yeah, for, primarily for the most part, right? So, I'm wondering during this time, and this is this is for um, and even I mean to double down on that, both in pretty pretty white communities too. So it's yes. it's not yes uh, like it's not, that. It's white culture. Yeah. You, the the in the letter when you said uh, really have relationships with people of color like that's a hard thing for both of our communities because yeah. it, it involves right. getting yes. in a car and driving outside of our community to do it yes yeah which 
which if you do that, then you are intentional about the relationship. That's why, mm-hmm. that's why, right? Right. Okay. But then it's also hard not to become a tourist. Like that's, the, that's why some of our mission things, like when we go, we're going to help the people of Garfield and then we're going to go back to our safe little bubble mm, where we are. I hear like you. That's, yeah. Anytime you step outside of your community, you have to check yourself to make sure that you're not just becoming the white savior to come in and, mm. and help these people, but then escape back to your comfortable place where you don't have to worry about it. Sorry. That, yeah. That was, Editorial, but, continue with your... No, editorial. no, no, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, again, that's the difference between that and relationship, right? A relationship yeah, is absolutely. two-way, right, right? Absolutely. So in, in, in this week for you, this week, you know, and thank you for acknowledging early on how it's been and what the world is like for me as a person of color, but as two white men who are leading a congregation, what's it like for you and have to have a message for your flock and who you lead this week. You have strong opinions about what's going on. You have, you know, very fluid and very, actually very great. What's it been like for the both of you? Um, If, you know, I know we can spend the next hour talking about this, but I mean, if you could just give me kind of a short summary this week and kind of framing your conversations with the people who you lead. Um, I'd love to hear that from both of you. I get an easy out sort of in that I'm an associate pastor um, and I haven't had the pulpit yet um, in, in the midst of all this. Okay. I, but I, also a youth pastor though, so that there yeah. is a, there is a community that directly looks to you. Yep. 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 Um, and, and for me, I've been very proud of the, the, the response of our, our fellow white clergy. Um, we have two services on Sunday, both Ed and Bruce took it, straight on uh ed especially did a really good job of um just listing how tired we are from all of this and and ended it with if i'm this tired (laughs) imagine Mm. what a person of color is feeling um Mm. in in this moment like if i'm this exhausted at the injustice um yeah and i'm a privileged white guy imagine (laughs) uh where where it goes from here um but but i i i think and I don't know, again, maybe I'm doing this wrong too. I am losing hope in the efficacy of broad discussion and mm. uh, in, in standing in a pulpit and, and shouting. I've been doing that for a while. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's more, I gotta go. So we talked about, you know, the, the people that will say all lives matter or I'm not racist or, you know, the, yeah. those kind of common responses. We have a few of those at Westminster. <laughs> um I think my call, and again, in a season of just kind of sitting and listening and, and getting ready to speak, I think my call is to go get them <laughs> yeah. and sit down one-on-one and say, okay, yeah. let's take a look around at what we're doing. I mean, all we do as pastors is look at the world around you and try and tell people what we see Jesus doing in this. Uh, yeah. And I think it's time for me to sit down with some of those folks and say, let's look around <laughs> and, and get past sound bites, get past you know, this tribe or that tribe's talking points, legitimately, where do you see Jesus in, in George Floyd? Where do you see Jesus in the riots? Where do you see Jesus in the conversations that we're having around here and and try and just have those one-on-ones? Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that, Jay. What about you, Tyler? What do you, you, how are Um, you dealing with her? I think one of the difficult things being a pastor versus being a prophet uh, I think that sometimes we want to be prophets, and prophets mm-hmm. tell the truth and get mm-hmm. killed. Like that's people yeah. hate prophets. Nobody wants a prophet. Right. A prophet is right. coming in and telling you, "You are a bad person. Stop doing that." 
Um, and that's a real attractive thing to speak truth to power, but there is genuine cost in that. And we need prophets, but not everybody's called to be a prophet in that sense. Yeah. And so yeah. leveraging the times that pa being a pastor is at times being a prophet, uh, but it's also being um, a caregiver to the congregation that has been entrusted to you. Yes. Uh, and an example more than anything that I, I yeah. don't ever like to think of myself as a shepherd because shepherds are in charge of sheep and sheep are stupid and shepherds are smart and I am not smart. I am just as stupid as everybody else. I don't know any, but I'm a sheep who knows the voice of the shepherd. And so that, that I like, I, if I, I can, really like that. I, yeah. And I really, yeah. I really push back on when it was in my flock. No, it's not my flock. I'm yeah. part of this group of people who don't thank know what's you for going that. on. But no, no, thank you. So, I appreciate you saying that out loud. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to become a pastor for a real long time because it seems very pompous and, and a, I mean that, that image seems very um, assured and I didn't, I don't have yeah. that assurance of, of my own. Uh, yeah. But I, I bring those th two things in, the prophet and the, and the caregiver, because I think that that's the thing of recognizing that um, I, have a, a, I do have a voice within this congregation that's an important voice. And that's part of, the, part of the role is to help people see God in these situations. And mm -hmm. I need to use that voice in a way that is both caring of the congregation, but is also speaking mm -hmm. truth. And so I need to speak the truth in a way that people will hear it. And oftentimes that means that you, it, it's the same way you talk to, to children. And again, not to belittle the congregation saying, I'm the parent, they're the children, but that there are times in which we tell, we need to tell our kids certain realities of life. And we do that in a way that they will be able to understand and they will be able to yeah. hear. Um, yeah. And sometimes uh, we have to be really blunt about it. Like if a, if a child is going to touch the stove and burn their hand, we get really serious about like, you can't do that. Or, um, or they mm -hmm. go to pet a dog that's going to bite them. You can't do that. And then there are other mm -hmm. times that we're softer about it. It's like, well, what do you do if a bully's doing this? Thing? Like that we have to kind of walk and hold their hand. And so uh, I think that it's something um, uh, it has to be talked about. And it has, but, but you can't ignore it. But sometimes when you want to just be blunt and be the prophet, um, that may mean that your voice doesn't get heard. And um, so finding a way of, of speaking truth in a caring way. And sometimes that means you don't get to be as, as straightforward as you want to be, but it always means that you need to talk about it. So I think that that's yeah. the, the, hard, the, the hard thing from a pastoral standpoint, and then I'll, I'll finish, is that oftentimes I think we don't want to talk about it and we think the most caring thing to do is to not talk about it because we don't get it political. And that is wrong. In the same way that like, I don't want my kids to be scared so I will never reveal to them that anything is scary in this world, yeah, that anything yeah. can hurt them. And that is actually yeah. more harmful to a child of any, yes, it is. Of any situation That's than right. to actually reveal to them that there are bad people, there are bad things, these things can hurt you. You need to be aware of them so that you aren't, because I, by pretending it's not there doesn't make it not there. And yeah. so the congregation right. needs to know about this racist system, needs to know about this oppression that is happening to people of color uh, and not, to say that you aren't suffering too, that, I mean, we all have problems, but that we are, by being part of this country, we are participating in this system, whether we like it or not. And yes. we need to recognize that. And it doesn't invalidate our own sufferings, our own personal sufferings, but in addition to our own sufferings, this is something that, that by the very nature of being part of this country, we are part of this problem. 
And we can't mm -hmm. be part of the solution if we don't recognize first that we have a hand in what's going on here. Yeah, that's, I was thinking about the profit thing. You know, uh, this is part of what I was saying before about not feeling the efficacy of the pulpit lately. Um, I don't think it's costing me enough to say something. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, thank you for saying that out loud, Jason. I, I, thank you so much for saying that out loud. I, I really appreciate that. I, I was. This was a bunch of years ago. Well, it's not that many years ago, but it was right after Charlottesville. I was guest preaching uh, at an unnamed church, uh, and and said in blunt terms, "We live in a systemic problem nation. Uh, that white supremacy in any form is unchristlike. Uh, that that this is just intolerable." And I remember at the end of the service, somebody was shaking my hand at the, you remember when we used to be able to shake people's hands? Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> at, at the end of the service, somebody sh shook my hand and said, wow, that was really brave. And I, my <laughs> gut reaction was, if that was brave, wow. we have a problem. Yes, that's not sir. brave. Yeah. That's truth. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and so that's, that's like saying, it, hey, that house is on fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Somebody ought to do something about that. Yeah, like so that's <laughs> yeah. that's what I mean by it's not costing me enough. Is like yes. it's not brave, uh, and yeah. I want to be doing brave things. Um, yeah, yeah. No, thank you, thank you both. Well, and to that, Jay, to that point, one of the things that has been a privilege of being a solo pastor is that it's allowed me to do to preach in a way that's slightly more costly. Um, it yeah. hasn't been exponentially so, but I, I, and I mean also like. I, having going to scripture, going and 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 looking at what Jesus is saying, um, really gives me the confidence to be more direct with some of that stuff. That Jesus says, "Love your neighbor," and Jesus says that we need to care about the oppressed. And then you see your neighbors being oppressed. It's not that hard. It's easy yeah. to go for the chicken soup for the soul, easy sermon that people that won't make people upset because that's what we yes. have been given for a lot of our lives. We tell that church is supposed to be a comfort to us to fill us back up and to, to be fed. But no, Jesus is constantly challenging power and making people upset. And he's not being making people upset by being a jerk who says, I know better than you, but making people mm. upset by saying, look at all this bad stuff that's going on. You guys <laughs> yeah. can fix this if, yes. you if you recognize that you are part of the problem. I didn't come yes. here to save you from the Romans. I came here to save you from yourself. Self. And that's right. if we don't preach that, then we are not preaching good news because good news is not just for one group of people. It's for all yeah. people. And so one yeah. of the best things that has been a comfort to me in, in the midst of this, of being able to speak truth to power and to be the prophet, is that the Bible 100% has our back. And yes. that Jesus is constantly pushing us. And this week's the Great Commission. And the Great Commission has been neutered of any kind of real power. It's about making disciples and stuff. But no, it's preaching good news to the world. And good news to the world is not white people really have a good thing going. Like, that's not good news to the world. That's good news to <laughs> white people. Good news to the world that's is right. none of this should be happening. And yeah. we have the power to make a difference because God has blessed us with the opportunity and the, the skills to actually change stuff. We don't have to accept the world as it is. We can make a difference. But that's hard for a lot of us who have it pretty easy right now. Yes. No. I, I, if, if I could kind of say two more things before we wrap up here. I know we're going to wrap up soon, and I want to say two more things. The first is um, to uh, just to kind of piggyback or come back to what we said earlier when we first started it was – um, and thank you both for your words because they're they're both refreshing, reassuring, and uh, warming to my heart to hear both of you articulated the way you did because uh, it means you really are thinking about this relational piece and, and, and trying to uh, um, be a part uh, of the solution uh, of the oppression that exists in this country. But um, if I were going to 
leave you guys with and your audience with just two things. Um, uh, so we've talked about a lot and um, hopefully people will listen to this podcast over and over and over again and get it all. I, you know, <laughs> of course they will. Of course they will. Right. Totally. Totally. That's how it but, works. <laughs> but I, the, I wanted to say before, before we left it as to my, to my white siblings that you are going to get it wrong. You are mm-hmm. going to make mistakes. You're going to say something that is not appropriate. Um, and, and you're, and hopefully, by acknowledging that and recognize it, you'll, you'll do it less. Um, but we have to be able, and, and I think Tyler and, and, and Jay, you've, you've articulated very well, we have to be able to, to, to look at ourselves and start taking those steps forward. If we can't do that, if we don't do that, um, and then we're just affirming the world that we live in right now. It's, it's as simple as that, and, and, and I know, Tyler, you said that more eloquently earlier, but it's as simple as that. If we're not being anti-racist, anti-racist, um, non-racist is not good enough. Um, so that's the first thing. You, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you're going to say something wrong. Uh, you're going to do something wrong. Just please do something. Um, and it, it will lessen. It'll be easier. And it'll become part of who you are. And, and that's what we need as people of color. Okay. Hmm. The, second thing, the second thing is, is if you do, <laughs> I can't say this enough. If we don't recognize the, the verbiage of all lives matter and blue lives matter as, as a continuum of this systematic dehumanization of people of color, we can never move forward. You can't have a relationship. You can't. You, so so it's that important. It, it, it really is that important. So those, those are so just recognizing that black life matters. People of color's life mattering does not say that your life does not as white siblings of mine. Just please try to jump onto that, understand that, actually embrace it um, so that you can say out loud, black life matters. Um, because you, if you don't start there and, and recognize that point, um, I think as Jason said early on um, um, in, his, in his conversations with those fringe people who you want to come together and talk to, um, it'll, it'll be all for naught. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say those two points real quick before we ended up. It's especially worth pointing out that no one is blue. Like, there is no blue life. No. That's yeah, a right? choice. That's a job. <laughs> right. You, a, a blue right. life, you, you go home. Yeah. Black life is not right. a choice. You are, that's, that's just right. who you are. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I don't right. deny the the courage and the sacrifice it takes to be a police officer. But Absolutely. When you can take yeah. your blackness off the way they can take their uniform that, off, then we can compare right. the two. Um, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's beautifully, beautifully said. Beautifully said. So. <laughs> You're fooling yourself if you think this is the end of the conversation. Uh, yes, first of yes, all, we sir. have to talk about CrossFit some more. Uh, but secondly. <laughs> Um, we, 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 this is the very beginning of the conversation. So Ralph, I'm super grateful for you to come on and, and hopefully there'll be more conversation to go, uh, in the very near future. Uh, do you have anything? We always ask our guests, do you have anything you want to plug anything you want to, uh, let us know about any books you're reading, anything that we should be mindful of in these days? What, what do you want to plug? Yes, real quick. I, I will plug, um, and I think uh, Tyler mentioned this book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist um, uh, by Ibram Kendi. That is the, my go-to book for people who come to me and say, hey, what should I be reading? Um, that's, a great, that's a great start. He, I think he, 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 he spoon-feeds us into what, that, what it means to be anti-racist. Um, um, and if you like that book, 
please read his first book, um, um, which is more than a spoonful of information. It is a, it is a, um, a, 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 a people of color view of what happens when there is progression in racial harmony in this country and an equal oppression of our racial harmony. Um, and, 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 I would, and I'll leave everyone with this since it's a plug. My plug is simply this. Um, it's easy for us as three men who love each other on this podcast to come and talk about race. Mm. I know it's not that easy for everyone else. Um, mm. But I'm asking you, I'm, I'm actually begging you to have a conversation. Yes. If you could have that conversation, um, it would mean that you are responding to the spirit that is within you um, and allowing yourself just to t- take that first little step. So those are the two things I wanted to say, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. And I, yeah. I, I, we hope to, we always end these with a Twitter question. Uh, I don't know a question that could encapsulate everything we've talked about here. Yeah. Uh, so let's yeah. just say it this way. Continue the conversation with us uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we will keep an eye on that stuff. It, it, it's not the best communication tool for all of this uh, heaviness, but it's at least a communication tool. So um, if you're following us on Twitter or on Instagram or on our freshly minted Facebook page, uh, hop in on the conversation and we will we'll, we'll try and engage with this as much as possible. So, thank you so much, Ralph, for being here. Thank you, guys. Here, Appreciate both of you. I love both of you. Here being a weird word these days, you know, whatever yeah. here looks yes. like. You know. Whatever here looks like. <laughs> yes. So thank you both. I really appreciate both of you. Yeah. Well, I've been Jay. And I've been Tyler. And I've been Ralph Lowe. And this has been Roughing, Roughing the, the Faster. I think I broke my, uh, my dongle. What? I'm laughing so hard that I pulled the thing out. Are you serious? Yeah, because there's no... Hey, wait, I'm going to put it back in. Tell me if you can hear me. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? No. Oh, yes. no. Yes, there it is. There it is. We got you. Well, I took the thing out. That's how you can hear oh. me now. I need to figure out if I broke this microphone. I'm, oh, that's horrible. I'm probably going to make fun of you more than I should for the phrase, I broke my dongle. <laughs> well, I don't know if I broke the, the dongle or whatever. Anyway.